Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to the program uh, Andy Clark, who is the CFO at CH Robinson. And today we're going to talk about digital evolution in the supply chain, how to prepare for today and tomorrow. Now, it's uh, safe to say that the you know, pace of change in supply chain management, especially from a technology standpoint, continues to excel, uh, accelerate. And uh, it just seems like, um, you know, one of the, the big things that people keep talking about these days is the, you know, digital evolution or the digital transformation of, of supply chain management. But what does that mean, you know, exactly? Uh, you know, why is it important? And, um, you know, what, what are some of the, the key capabilities companies need to, uh, you know, not only keep pace with this change, but find new avenues of growth and, uh, you know, differentiation uh, in the future? Well, those are some of the, the questions we're going to address today, and uh, it's great to have Andy back in the program to kind of share his insights and, and perspective on this topic. So, uh, Andy, welcome back. Thank you, Adrian. It's, uh, it's great to be back. Great to see you again. So, uh, you know, Andy, you were back in this program. It was probably a little over a year ago, and we were talking about, you know, at that time, we were talking about things like Uber and, and all, that, all that. It was actually one of our more, you know, popular uh, episodes. And then obviously you and I got together earlier this year, uh, back in September, we, you were uh, part of the uh, logistics leaders for type one diabetes cure team. Uh, so we had a, a, fun, uh, a, f a fun time there. So it's good to kind of get back in, back in the conversation here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And uh, unfortunately, winter has arrived. Uh, so, so 100 mile rides outside will, will, will not be in my future, at least until uh, uh, 2018. That's right. Well, same, same for me. I'm, I'm in the basement already. So uh, yeah, try, training in the, in the basement. So, uh, so, so let's go into, into the topic now. I mean, Andrew, like I said, you know, there, there's a lot of discussion today, uh, you know, as well as a lot of hype and, and confusion, really about the digital supply chain. I mean, from your perspective in the industry, I mean, uh, where are we today? And, um, you, you know, why is this topic getting so much attention? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, you mentioned there's hype, there's confusion, but there's also reality. And, and, and the reality is it's, it's taking hold. And, and I would just categorize, we, we categorize it as we're still in the early innings of this digital revolution. And you, you can think about it from the shipper perspective and all the way through to the carrier perspective and how fragmented both of those uh, uh, participants are, particularly on the, on the shipper side. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of shippers that are out there and their ability to access information on their own supply chain is becoming increasingly important, uh, which they don't have. And, and, and they don't have the resources to, to commit to building it on their own. So now you have things, you know, cloud-based services, software as a, as a service, platform as a service uh, that, are, that are cropping up every day and making it a more of a reality. And, and I think that that technology um, that you and I embrace as consumers will eventually bleed into the B2B world. Um, but I don't think we're as far along as maybe the news stories might suggest. You and I can go and, and do ride sharing. We can do uh, apartment or, or, or hotel sharing in terms of the Airbnb. But it's just not quite perfected into the, uh, into the, into the business to business environment. It, it will get there. The good, you know, it will get there. There are companies like ours that are committing hundreds of millions of dollars to the space to make it a reality. But we're just not as far along as, as I think a lot of people would uh, would otherwise believe. If you if you picked up a, a trade rag or if you listen to a news story, you know there's there's people now popping up on CNBC and it's getting a lot more press because you think about you know the overall logistics uh, spend as a percent of GDP it's seven and a half percent. So it's a big 
part of our industry. It's a big part of uh, um, you know the, the overall economy. Uh, so 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 it is reality. But that confusion and and what happens around all that is uh, it remains to be seen. So so what do you what do you think is holding companies back? I mean, is it, particularly in our industry, right? From a, from a logistics supply chain standpoint, is it just kind of the conservative you know nature of kind of the industry? Is it kind of uh, particularly for companies that are publicly traded, you know, this kind of short-term mentality in terms of, you know, hey, uh, risk avoidance, trying to make this quarter's numbers or this year's numbers, where a lot of these things perhaps a little bit more of a long-term play. I mean, what's holding people back or companies back? I don't know if it's as much as that short-term thinking, particularly, you know, on the publicly traded side. I mean, we've, we've, we've spent a lot of time with our investors talking about the investments that we made. And, we make uh, large investments annually in our in our uh, technology budget. Uh, I think what it is that, that I, I would go through a couple of, uh, of threads and a couple of themes. And the first is people in transportation have long memories, and those memories are of Y2K, and they are of uh, everything was going to go on the internet and the interwebs of uh, of 1999 and 2000, and then and then it didn't. And uh, a lot of people have spent a lot of money in transportation technology that, that really hasn't uh, amounted to a lot. And so there's that aspect of it. So people do have long memories. The other aspect of it is um, the, the convergence of a, of a standard or of a platform. And uh, you know, with, with respect to, to, to on the ride sharing market, I mean, that got to a point rather quickly in terms of the adoption of a platform, whether it be Uber or Lyft or you know, in certain marketplaces, it's different, particularly international. Uh, but the convergence to a a a, a single, you know, or, or, or very few platforms into transportation. Again, I go back to the tens of hundreds of thousands, millions of shippers, the millions of trucks that are out there, the millions of ways in which you can move freight. Uh, we think, and 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 you know, we've done a lot of research and and and, and analysis in this area is that the complexities of individual supply chains are so great that it's going to take a long time for a single or a handful of platforms to emerge as the sole leader. And when you think about it, um, it's some of these large software providers that are really kind of waking up to the space versus, you know, that's on the one end of the spectrum, the Oracle, the SAP, the JDA, I mean like really large, well-capitalized organizations. And then, the startups that you and I read about, you know, it seems like weekly that are getting, you know, 10, 20, 50 million dollars on, on the other side of the spectrum. It's, it's this huge barbell, and I don't think anybody has a clear viewpoint as to a the convergence of a standard or a multiple of standards as to how it's going to impact uh, those, those millions of supply chains that are in fact right now. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that, you know, that, that's a great point because I think that, that ultimately, you know, you see that throughout history, right? It's the, it's the, when there's no clear standard, um, you know, identified, uh, you know, that, that creates some friction in, in the adoption, right? Because the last thing you want to do is, you, you know, jump on one band, bandwagon and, and, and then a, two, a year or two or three from now, it gets displaced completely by, by some new technology or, or something else. It does, and, and, and all of us in the transportation space have technology that currently works today. It's not, uh, and we think that there are, uh, uh, you know, some that are better than others, including ours. And I think the issue is that, that nobody's rushing out. There's no burning platform on the, on the technology side in anybody's company because, because there are trucking companies today that are running off of AS400 systems that work perfectly well. 
And right, right. It's the thing and it works. You know, what's what's the impetus to change? Right, right. Well, well, let, let, let's let's kind of dive into perhaps some of the uh, uh, some of these technologies that are kind of grabbing the headlines, right? So you've got you know machine learning, autonomous vehicles, and, and blockchain. Well, probably three of the most you know talked about technologies this year. I mean, is the hype around these technologies you know warranted? And and how and when will they you know have an impact on supply chains? I mean, I think we probably already answered some of that question. But what's your thought on these things? You know, again, I'll go back to this as we started this conversation. I, I think there is um, there's a reality that that it is going to take hold in our industry, um, and 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 we often talk about people probably in terms of okay, it's in the news, so you might. Um, overemphasize or, or, or overprice the impact that it has today, and, 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 and underemphasize the price it'll have or the impact it'll have five years from now. Because it, it, in this environment and, and in our business, timing does matter. You can you can certainly be way too early to it, um, and, and you know be the first person storming the beach. And quite frankly, you can be too late to it. So we spend a lot of time and a lot of analysis around around that. Diving right into you know each of those categories, you know I'll start with machine learning. Um, uh, from, from from our perspective in our space, it's still very nascent. There was a great article in the, the Wall Street Journal this morning, you know, and, and as you would imagine, that 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 industry, uh, particularly financial services, has been uh, committing a lot of capital in that. And and there was a quote that you know they're just spending a, you know, a lot, and it, it doesn't prove out over time. There's a few funds that might make it in a year or a quarter, but the returns that they generate by, you know, putting machines, uh, scouring data on, on, as I described, a very discreet, there's only a certain number of publicly traded companies or publicly traded bonds that are out there and analyzing the data around that, they, they still haven't proven out the returns for the investments that they're making. Um, we have a group of data scientists in our organization that do a wonderful job of programming and helping our uh, operators and our leaders make better decisions, uh, but they're not making the decisions for them. They're helping, it's machine and human aided, which we believe are going to be the, the successful strategy uh, in that area. You know, autonomous vehicles are, are yet another uh, uh, interesting example. You know, we, we had a group of us and we were out in, in Silicon Valley and, and we were listening to a presentation of this gentleman in the, in the room was very well financially back said, hey, I'm one of 12 software engineers uh, in this space that are worth a billion dollars. And of course, all of us said, well, that's an interesting thought. Uh, are you hiring? Uh, uh, and um, but, but what makes it so? And he said, well, we're mapping the service transportation in the United States so that uh, there will be a two centimeter of tolerance at 80 miles an hour. So you just think about like that as a concept versus open up ways or open up Google Maps and you know if you've got good cell phone coverage it'll it'll tell you what road you're on. Uh, and if it's not you'll you'll get that arrow that bounces around that we've all uh, struggled with. Um, and so the gap between that Google Maps and mapping uh, to uh, uh, two centimeters of tolerance at 80 miles an hour is a huge delta to get to that. And that's what level five uh, autonomous requires. Will we get there? Absolutely. Will, will it take a long time yet? Yeah. Will people spend billions of dollars to get to it? Yeah. Um, it, it's just not there yet in our space. And so again, it, it, it's how do you how do you phase in your investments and how do you phase in the impact that it has on your supply chain? Absolutely matters because you can spend a lot of money and not get to the result that you want. 
and then you know finally you know distributed ledgers blockchain uh th there's a lot of there's a lot of talk around that and there's a lot of uh our articles and please if you ask me uh to to describe or, or or explain blockchain i'm gonna turn off this computer right now uh, uh but it is we're, we're doing a lot of research in that area but again it goes back to the convergence of what that standard is and what are people going to agree to and uh, today there is a mechanism for that trust that's built between organizations and to put it into a put it into a program or put it into a distributed ledger it completely makes sense but the sequencing and the timing of getting to that is, is is where all the work will be done and it's not there yet and 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 it will get there it will get there i mean we as humans have proven for uh, ever since our, uh, our our you know advent on this earth is that we will continue to evolve and we will use those tools like to make fire, to hunt, you know, like we, we will do, we will you know, uh, evolve and we'll learn as we evolve and that learning will lead to yet new and greater and better things. It's just not here today. Yeah, and no, I think you, you bring some, some great points. I mean, you know, I, I think to kind of paraphrase or summarize a little bit what you said, I mean, it really sounds like, you know, Kind of part of the challenge is really you know pacing yourself appropriately and 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 it's all in the timing right because if you if you move too quickly you know you could be bleeding edge but you, you yep. know that that may result in uh you know a dead end or in, in not you know getting too much results but if you wait too long if you be if you're just completely skeptical if you completely embrace the status quo or you know the if it ain't broke why fix it mentality uh, you can quickly find yourself too far behind and then, you know, not be able to catch up. So it's kind of finding that middle, you know, that, that middle pace, if you will, in terms of keeping a pulse of what's happening and, and taking the, the appropriate steps in, in, in the right pace, you know, to keep up with, with the changes so that when, when, and if, and when it does happen, you're, you're ready, you're in that front pack, if you will. And, and, and you know, you, you'd also ask, and, and those are all valid points, but the impact that it has on the supply chain is, there's always a prior and subsequent, right? There's there's always, if you think about the value of a, your phone or the value of your car, the majority of the value of that uh, uh, asset that you own, that they make comes from the suppliers. And so there's your supply chain, there, there's your supplier supply chain, and then there's the subsequent on, on um, you know, where it goes from that. And, and you and I, when we, when we catch a, uh, a ride to an airport, there's no consideration of what we were doing prior or what we're doing after. That the people that are that have perfected that marketplace really just understand that one aspect of you getting into a car and getting dropped off somewhere. Versus the supply chain is, is as you know, the complexity of it is is immense. Um, and, and and having a viewpoint of what happens prior to you seeing that and what happens after you see that it matters, which is you know, we 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 spend a lot and we invest a lot in that supply chain visibility to help our customers get greater access to make more informed decisions on what their supply chain moves are going to be. And I go back to, you know, the, the conversations that I think you and I have had, you know, different points of, it also requires a, a pretty big financial commitment to go into and change out whether it's your software, whether it is your actual hard assets. I mean, I, uh, somebody smart, smarter than me is going to figure out the value and it's trillions of dollars of, of all the rolling stock that's out there right now. Let's just assume for a moment uh, that all the technology and all those assets are ready to go online right now. They're, they're not. We're years away from that. But assuming for a moment that, um, that it were available right now, 
is anybody going to bleed out their assets? You have trucks on the road that are worth something right now, and I, I don't see people accelerating their replenishment of their rolling stock based on the fact that new technology is available. And if that new technology doesn't provide a better service at a lower price, or that asset doesn't provide a better service at a lower price, it's not, you know, uh, um, doesn't allow you to have a much higher utilization on that. I just don't see, you know, consumers like us or businesses like ours or anybody else out there in the space uh, jumping in with both feet to say, you know, here we're going to write a really large check to, to replenish our asset base because there's some new technology or, or what have you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, certainly there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, investment that's already take place. You know, heck, you know, there's, there's still a lot of companies that are still, you know, in year three of their five-year ERP rollout, you know, uh, modernization rollout. So, yeah. you know, either, either they're willing to kind of, uh, you know, pull the plug and write that off and, and then kind of jump onto the next thing, or they're going to, you know, write out you know, the current investments as much as they can. I mean, another topic that's been getting a lot of attention these days is the electronic logging, you know, devices. Uh, I certainly grabbed the headlines this year, especially as the, uh, you know, the, the mandate uh, starts getting enforced here uh, late, later this month. Um, you know, th there's a lot of questions and predictions around what impact ELDs are going to have on, you know, on trucking capacity and, and productivity. I mean, what, what's, what's your take on it? Yeah, uh, a, a lot of stuff to uh, to unpack on that question, both in terms of the compliance and and uh, so it's in six days, December eighteenth, and and you know they're going to do a, a soft enforcement until the beginning of April, and then um, you know change. I think they're going to learn a lot in the next four months, and, and and the things that they learn are going to at least you would assume shape and direct the decisions and changes that I'll make in in twenty eighteen. So. Everybody knows that the, the hours of service uh, are not changing. They're still uh, the, the hours of service law is not changing. The manner in which you comply is. So you're going from the paper log to the uh, uh, to, to the electronic logging, and, and the cost over that three-year time period that they when they first announced it um, have gone down dramatically. So you know, mobile app with connectivity, the engine block gives you uh, ELD compliance, and so. Uh, we've done a, a soft survey and, and, and the vast majority of our uh, uh, providers right now are compliant. We expect, and by the way, we expect as they do today to comply to every state, local and federal law. We expect them on December 18th to comply with every state, local, federal law. And we don't see that changing. We do see a, and you can, you can look at anybody else's number, three to 5% on the, on the capacity reduction. And you can see uh, to a degree that the capacity that remains to be less productive. The good news is, is, is we proved, uh, you know, most recently and throughout our history, but most recently uh, with the hurricanes in Florida and Texas, our ability to help our customers uh, uh, get capacity when they need it. Uh, and our team did a wonderful job during that very difficult time. Uh, to, to help our customers get their loads moved. We, that will actually happen on, it'll happen on December 17th. It's going to happen on December 18th and 19th and every day thereafter. So, so we built a system, we built a team that's capable of doing that. What I do believe in is uh, supply and demand, right? So if, if demand uh, as, as stagnant as, as continues to increase is what we've seen this year, if supply comes out, you know, we've all done the supply and demand curve, prices go up. And our prices and our costs have gone up throughout the year. And we've, we've talked about that 
on our earnings calls. We've talked about that with our investors. So, so, so pricing has and will go up and, and that'll reflect. And so when you have that, when pricing comes back in, you'll, you'll see supply come back into the marketplace. And you're seeing that right now, by the way, uh, with class A truck orders. Uh, they're not online, but the orders are going up. So, so our, you know, our view on it is that you'll, you'll see changes, but just like everything else, those changes will have a second and third and fourth degree impact. And we'll help our customers manage through that with their supply chain. Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 aligns with what you know what I I've been hearing from from others as well. I mean, I think you know we'll certainly learn a lot over the next few weeks and months here in terms of what the the real impact you know is going to be. And then you know you've you've got that coupled with you know economic growth, you know what we're seeing there on, on the demand side, um, and then just the 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 overall or ongoing you know challenges of you know driver shortages and you know, what's happening on fuel and, and, and things of that nature. So I think it's, it's, it's what always what makes transportation so, so in, interesting and complex and, and uh, y- you know, uh, it gets transportation executives sometimes pulling out their hair, trying to figure out or try to predict what's going to happen in the, uh, in the market. Oh, I still have a lot of hair, so I'm not pulling that out yet. <laughs> you, you, you do. So you're, you're one of the lucky guys. But, uh, you know, folks like me, you know, we, we've already pulled them out, you know, a, a long okay. time ago. But, but, but if you think about it, 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 it is what we – you know, we talk internally, we talk externally about, uh, um, you know, our ability to help our customers execute over a long period of time. And, and we show, as part of our investor presentation, a price and cost charts, so the price of the customers and the cost of the carriers. And it's a, it's a, it's a very fascinating and interesting um, uh, line. And if you go over that last decade, it's up two and a half percent, both price and cost. Now there's always a dislocation and sometimes, you know, prices are, are ahead of costs and other times costs are ahead of prices. And it's usually a, call it a three to five quarter lag, depending upon the severity of, of the change. And, and, you know, if you're a supply chain manager, or if you're on our side, it's, it's how do you want to manage through that? Do you want to lock that in? Do you want to go back a decade uh, of, uh, prior and say, hey, if we offered you both on the customer side as well on the carrier side, two and a half percent increases, I can guarantee it. Everybody would have said, absolutely not. There's no way. We, you know, we want to do this. And, and yet here we are a decade later and it's two and a half percent. I think companies like ours and particularly us uh, help our customers manage through that, not only the price and the cost, but the disruption in the movement of freight during that time period. Yep. Yep. Well, you, you just brought up a, a word that was going to be my, my next question, which is, you know, disruption, right? And, and you hear that all the time today, you know, disrupt, or be disrupted, you know, that, that seems to be kind of a, a new kind of business mantra these days. Do you subscribe to that, uh, you know, belief, you know, disrupt or be disrupted? And, you know, if everybody is out there trying to disrupt, you know, the industry, does that lead yeah. to progress or just to chaos? Yeah. Great question. And, and, and I'll give you the yes, but um, uh, I, I do agree with it, but, but you need to moderate, you need to think about it. You need to actually time it. You need to be thoughtful in that because, Disruption for disruption's sake uh, doesn't really benefit anybody. That's where you get to, to exactly what you're talking about, chaos, which is hey, how do we provide a better uh, product sooner at a lower price? Like to me and, and our organization, that's how we think about disruption. It's not just regular way brokerage you call, we haul. It's, it's how do we provide a better service, a better solution to our customers sooner at a lower price? There's a huge element of that that's people. So what do we do? We go out and we hire and develop and train really talented people. That matters. They then, and by the way, those people are 15,000 of us across the globe. 
to help our customers, our roughly 100,000 customers, our roughly 80,000 providers, be effective in managing, whether you're on the shipper side or whether you're on the carrier side, manage um, their supply chain. It matters to have really smart people. Uh, the, the process, you have to run a good process. You have to know what to do when supply chain disruptions inevitably uh, occur. And, and they always occur. They occur when there isn't weather. They occur when you know there isn't hours uh, 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 of service or, or regulatory change. That, that happens all the time. And then finally, technology. And what I think that people um, tend to perhaps overemphasize is the concept of disruption as it relates purely to technology. And I think sometimes uh, when that, the conversation is tilted too heavily towards disruption on the technology side, that that's where you can spin yourself into a, a little bit of a, a circle and not really kind of come out with a better solution. Oh, the technology needs to do this, needs to do that. And those are all things that, that, that every company, including ours, deals with. But what we try to do is moderate all three of them, the people, the process, and the technology, so that disruption happens on all three levels and in all three areas so that we can help our customers more effectively manage their supply chain sooner at a lower price. Well, that's, a, that's a great point, especially the point about people, because I mean, I think this is still ultimately a, a, a people business. And, you know, even though we talk about things like artificial intelligence, uh, you know, we're not quite there yet with the, uh, you know, the intelligence that humans have in terms of the, the experience and even just the, the relationship building uh, yeah. and, and communication that's required or really, you know, person to person communication that's required to succeed in this, um, in this industry. Um, yeah, kind of building on, on kind of the, the last point you just made there on the technology side. I mean, one of the kind of the mistakes that I see that a lot of companies do is, you know, they, they kind of chase the new shiny things, right? So they, they see, you know, us talking about machine learning and, you know, blockchain and all this kind of sexy new technology. And, and they may kind of go chase, you know, after it without really first identifying the, the business opportunity or the problem that, that, that they're trying to, you know, solve there. Um, you know, so, uh, in order to kind of build that foundation to, you know, to, to ultimately succeed and drive business value around some of these things, I mean, what's, what's required? I mean, what goes into that foundation and how do you get it? Yeah, it, 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 it is a, a, a good segue in terms of that, that shiny new thing. And, and, you know, from, from our organization, which has been around for 113 years, having partnered with the, 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 the fortune, you know, companies that we've partnered with and helping them manage their supply chain, we kind of view it as the wisdom of the crowds. And, and the crowds being not what we always necessarily hear on the outside, although we do listen to everything that's being said on the outside, but the wisdom of the crowds of our customers and the wisdom of the crowd of our people. And it's it's kind of that whole process of building ideas based on what we hear from our customers. And they're pretty good about telling us whether directly or indirectly the things that they want us to do. And then the wisdom of the crowd of our own people, the 15,000 smart people that we have across the globe that are saying, hey, by the way, they're more closely connected to our customers than anybody else out there. We have thousands of, of account managers and operations people throughout all different parts of our business that are listening every day to what the suppliers want, what the uh, uh, shippers want, what the constant need wants, and building a plan based on that, not based on, hey, so-and-so issued a press release and they're doing whatever it is they're doing, and therefore, uh, you know, uh, 
I never want to give the impression that Robinson's like student body left. Let's just go do this right now because this would be issue your press release. And then the next week, student body right, um, you know, based on, on somebody else's press release is really a thoughtful process that builds up these ideas that are returns justified and returns analyzed to say, wow, okay, we believe that the market, based on what our customers and based on what our carriers and our, our partners are telling us, are going in this direction. We have a very intellectual and intelligent viewpoint that this is where it's going to be. And then we begin to build a plan based on that that takes into consideration time, it takes into consideration cost, takes into consideration all these things because it matters to us to get it, to get it right. Because it just seems in these environments, and again, I, I don't want to ever come across as, we don't ever want to come across as a ludite and say, we're not paying attention because we do. I mean, we, we, we have teams that are doing nothing other than listening as part of their job, not their full job, but listening to what is, is, is being done and set out. But but it's also there's a, there's a capital game and, and, and you know coming from the background that a lot of us have here on the financial side that says hey during periods of relatively stable supply and demand and during periods of inexpensive capital we've always had competition come into our marketplace and then when that cost of capital goes up or disruption occurs in a sustained manner we've just seen our ability to prove our worth to our customers and to our providers in, in a much greater capacity than anybody else out there. And so during those cyclical ups and downs, you know, sometimes we look really smart when it times right. And sometimes we don't look as smart when, when, when it goes against us. But going back over that 10 year period that I've talked about, uh, we've grown our company tremendously during that time period. And I don't say that as a, as a, as a compliment on us. I, I say it on, on our people's ability to solve their customers' problems. And the only way I, that we know that they value what we do is they give us more business. And what we've seen is they've consistently and continuously given us more business over time. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, your point about kind of listening to customers and kind of, you know, particularly those that are on the front lines of, of what's happening day to day, right? It's easy, it's easy for ha- perhaps for, you know, those that are further up, you know, to uh, kind of get a sense of what's happening in the market. But the, the real closest signal are those that are obviously talking to customers on a day in and day out basis, those that are, you know, trying to kind of move product, uh, those that are trying to provide that visibility, you know, and, and kind of getting that direct feedback from the carrier community, the shipper community, the consignees, and being able to, you know, feed that back into the organization in terms of helping to, you know, define the, the right path forward and, and how that fits into, you know, all these trends that we, we talked about, I think, uh, you know, certainly that that's part of the, uh, the winning formula there. Um, you know, Andy, as a way to wrap up, I mean, if I'm, you know, a supply chain logistics executive and, and I'm meeting with the CFO of my company, so you're obviously a CFO there, but if I'm meeting with kind of a counterpart, a CFO at my company, I mean, what's, what's the most important thing I can tell him or her about, you know, what's happening in supply chain, you know, management today and, and what to expect in, in the weeks and months ahead? Well, I, I would I, I would offer a couple of points. And the first is that if you're a CFO of any company uh, of note or of size today, and and you're relying on a transportation manager to come and tell you what's going to happen, you're you're in trouble because uh, the supply chain management is a board level discussion. Um, I mean, let's just go to retail on the one end of the spectrum. I mean, it, it's right there in the heart of every retail companies, if you look at what's happening to some of these well-established uh, 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 companies that are going bankrupt. 
And so it's all about supply chain. It's all about accessing the customer and providing that customer the type of product and the fashion and the manner in which they want it today. Uh, so, so supply chain disruption is a board level discussion. I would say that that what matters, and and, and we, we you know have had several conversations of you think about the way the cycle is getting you know uh, shaping up as we as we end 17 and we go into 18. It's important. If you're a supply chain manager, you're a CFO to have good relationships with all of your suppliers and all the people that help affect that supply chain. Because you think about demand being stronger, you think about capacity being constrained, you think about the you know company's ability to invest in technology. Partnership really does matter. We talk about it, and we can show you over a long period of time how and why and where it matters. And at certain points in that cyclical environment, it matters more and it matters less. I would just tell you that 2018 is going to matter a lot more because it will be a constraint. It will be a challenging environment. And if you're a transportation uh, manager that hasn't developed those relationships or if you're a CFO that hasn't developed those relationships that don't really understand the impacts of one aspect versus the other in your supply chain, you might be in for somewhat of a difficult 2018. Conversely, if you've done that and, and you've really worked with your partners, whether they be the asset-based providers, whether they be the third-party logistics providers or anybody in, in between, if you work to develop those relationships, I, I would offer that, that 2018 could be a, a tremendous year of opportunity for you as you are able to provide for your end consumer a better product sooner at a lower price. And, and, and that matters uh, in this environment. You, you know, I, I, you know, certainly, I, you know, walking the talk and collaboration and more effective and, and honest and, and clear communication be, between all the parties, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree that that's going to be, you know, critical, for, you know, for success. You know, going back to your earlier point about, you know, if you're relying on a transportation uh, professional or, you know, someone to educate you as a CFO or tell you what's going on, you know, you, you might be in, in, in trouble. I, I think you're right. It is needs to be a board level and a C level discussion. I think, but I think just to kind of counterpoint that a little bit, I think the unfortunate reality, you know, that the research has shown is that, you know, very few companies have uh, a seat at the table, you know, for supply chain in their, you know, C suite, and so so I think that's something else that, um, you know, companies need to work at is really. Uh, you know, bringing supply chain to give them a spot at the executive uh, table there to have those uh, those discussions and and be able to learn from you know the executives that are in the front lines and then you know vice versa have the supply chain executives also learn the language of the CFO and, and understand the the business impacts and the yeah. business considerations in, in what they do as well. Yeah. And, and and you know to to build on that it it goes back to the type of supply chain that you on that side might want to have. Do you want to have an established supply chain? Do you want to um, have that partner help you manage the peaks and the valleys? Or do you just want to participate in whatever comes your way on, on that? And, 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 you know, I, I give the example and we talked about, you know, those, those digital providers um, where I was in Chicago and it cost me $15 to get to Wrigley Field and it cost me $150 to get back. And the only difference was three hours. Um, and and I, I would just think that if you're a supply chain manager and that's the bet that you are making, that you would uh, have a very challenging conversation going into your CFO, a guy like me is like, you did what? Um, that, that, that 
the discrepancy of the difference of paying those two rates in a three hour period um, is, is untenable because you can't price it into the cost that you're going to turn around and, and, and offer to your customer. You have to have a more established and a, and a better supply chain relationship with greater visibility of prior and subsequent so that you can um, uh, effectively manage it. Great, great, uh, you know, final point there. And, and with that, you know, we're out of time, Andy, but like, like I always say at the you know, end of our conversations, uh, you, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on these topics. And the, there were so many, you know, different, the, different topics here and, and meaty, you know, subjects here that, uh, you know, I think we could probably spend all day, you know, talking about it. I have a whole conference just on this whole episode topic, but I think uh, you provide some great insights and advice. And uh, I think, you know, basically buckle up and then let's see what the, uh, yeah, all the excitement that 2018 is going to bring us in the, in the weeks ahead here. Sounds good, Adrian. Happy holidays uh, and happy new year to your family. Great. And, and to you as well. And I want to thank those of you that joined us today. Uh, if you are watching this episode on demand at the CH Robinson website or on the Talking Logistics website, and you've got a question or a comment for Andy, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure that he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.